Welcome to AEM Early Access, a podcast of the Society for Academic Emergency Medicine and the Academic Emergency Medicine Journal. I'm Dr. Gita Pensa, and here's what we've got for you today. Point-of-care ultrasound has ever-increasing utility in the emergency department, and today we're discussing a new paper in AEM entitled Accuracy of TICS, T-I-C-S, ultrasound protocol in detecting simple and complicated diverticulitis, a prospective cohort study. Lead author, Dr. Hamid Shakui is here to discuss it with us. Dr. Shakui is an associate professor of emergency medicine at Harvard Medical School and the fellowship director at the Harvard Emergency Ultrasound Fellowship Program. He's currently practicing at Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston and is a prolific researcher with over 150 peer-reviewed publications and numerous national and international awards for academic excellence and teaching. He's done original research on a wide range of ultrasound topics and GI ultrasound has been a focus of his research. His contributions to the field of clinical ultrasound education and research are widely recognized and he has established several educational programs all around the world. We are so pleased to have him with us today to discuss this paper. Don't forget to read the full text of this article, available open access for a limited time from the publisher. Dr. Shokuhi, welcome to the podcast. It's so nice to have you. Thank you very much. Thanks for inviting me. So point-of-care ultrasound use is ever-growing in the emergency department. And so today we're going to talk about your recent academic emergency medicine study regarding the use of ultrasound in diverticulitis. So prior to your paper, there was some data about radiology-performed ultrasound for diverticulitis. What did this show? Absolutely sure. I can explain that. The uh, prior to the paper that we published, actually, there was some studies suggesting that actually radiology from ultrasound could be as effective as a CT scan even wow. with high sensitivity and specificity over more than uh, 90%. So, but those the studies, majority of them actually, like there's the small studies, a lot of them that actually variability on the sensitivity and the specificity. So it was hard really to apply the same thing that radiology visiting the, they have done to apply it and adopt it to the emergency medicine, the way we are doing point of care ultrasound. Okay, and what data was there about emergency department performed point of care ultrasound for diverticulitis before your study? And uh, what benefits did they suggest that using POCUS in this situation might have? Actually, the situation has changed a lot since the last uh, couple of years, last, I mean, five years. So before our study, there was not really a lot of a study to use ultrasound, point-of-care ultrasound for diverticulitis in the ED. Uh, we got it started, and we, in, unfortunately, during COVID, we got some pauses on uh, the work that we were doing then. But the good news is, at the same time, two other recent landmark studies came out, one by Dr. Cohen in the United States, and the other one by Dr. Nazarian in Italy, they published a strong, strong article, landlord article. In the, for example, in a Cohen study, they evaluated 452 impressive number of the patients. They had about 36% positive rate, and they came up with sensitivity of 92% and a specificity of 97%. 
which are really great results. Mm -hmm. The uh, Nazaria study also, that was another great study, multi-institutional. They they enrolled 393 patients and they had a better or higher kind of positive rate of 55% and 8% of them were complicated diverticulitis. They came with the almost close to the first one and they had the sensitivity of 92.7% and specificity of 90%. But there was one thing that actually came and started even the ad and confirmed later on, you see it in our article, that the sensitivity for complicated diverticulitis was very low, is about 50%, compared to the CT scan that is about 94%. Overall, I can say this study suggests the point of care ultrasound is a promising alternative to CT for a lot of cases, but we just need to identify those subset of cases that complication may be a big deal and to understand that. Okay, so your study, now let's talk about your study. What were the primary objectives in your study? Um, in our study, we focused mainly really to find the accuracy of the, uh, the ultrasound protocol. We tried to standardize the protocol that we do the diverticulitis and try to see what is the accuracy of this compared to the CT scan and how good it is in differentiating simple and complicated cases. Basically, was our goal was to understand how well this ultrasound protocol could identify di- diverticulitis in its ED setting, not in radiology. And also it says, how ca- what is the ability of these the protocol in differentiating between com- uh, the simple and complicated diverticulitis. It is important, I want to mention something, why we actually pick diverticulitis, because we are not super fan of like GI ultrasound because not been happening, happening a lot in the ED, but this is a specific it's important if we are actually moving towards the ultrasound first protocol for abdominal ultrasound. This is one of the big and actually topic to work on. The reason is in ultrasound, the diverticulitis is said is it's a decisive diagnosis. What does it mean? If we decide, if we are able to confidently identify it, we make a decision. We make a treatment decision, we make a discharge decision, and we do not need for further process or consultation. Mm-hmm. We don't need to call surgery. We do not need to call the medicine team. We do not call the cardiology. <laughs> we decide this is the diverticulitis, yes or no. We act upon it. Right. This is not even just appendicitis. Appendicitis is even if you find that surgery, this is not our case. It's the surgery case, but the diverticulitis. So it's important if you are saving. As in this study, actually follow up a study on the same thing we did. We said if we are saving one CT scan, for any of these patients with diverticulitis, we save three hours of ED length of stay. And you know that is the big deal in this overcrowded EDs and uh, or this actually all the skyrocket kind of uh, CD utilization that we are seeing in this country. Very much, very much true. So you were using a protocol uh, which was aptly named TICS, T-I-C-S. I thought that was clever. Um, a- that protocol. Can you tell us more about it? That's interesting. Absolutely. So um, 
as you know that uh, for a long time for the uh David Clyde this we refer as text the GI world David Clark sags that actually they are we call them ticks. This is different from ticks. <laughs> so to align with that terminology, we named our protocol ticks. And it's a stand for thickness, intramural air, clonic morphy, and stranding of the pre-colic fat. These are the four specific key findings in ultrasound for David Clyde. Traditionally, there's a lot of criteria. There's one of the reasons that we are not um, actually using it because radiology are using it mainly based on the, mostly based on the pattern recognition. Mm-hmm. For us as emergency physician, that we are learning to identify exactly what I should see to diagnose or to reject that diagnosis. And this is helping to understand first to refer that something that everybody, when you say text for what they know is related to diversity, is two. That's actually exactly what you are finding in the actual um, ultrasound finding that we do for diabetes. That makes perfect sense. So tell us a little bit more about your study design and uh, the methods. Sure. The study design that we have um, kind of uh, is a prospective observational study that we did it at the MGH, Mass General in Boston. And in this study, we enrolled about 167 patients, and we ultimately included 149 mm-hmm. that I can later on tell you guys how we excluded those patients. Any of these patients that the primary physician had planned to do a CT scan for them in the ED, we started doing an ultrasound prior to seeing the result of CT or prior to completing the CT scan. So none of the ultrasound has been done by having the knowledge of the what the CT scan showed. And in most of the time, we did not do the blinded, but majority of them, sonographer was blinded to even the clinical and the presentation. So because the secondary did was not in charge of the same patient as it uh, for the management for the clinical. Uh, clinically was not in charge of the patient. Okay. The sonographer. Mm-hmm. And then we actually, um, the CT done, ultrasound done, we uh, got the, actually the ultrasound and explained that how we did the ultrasound, ultrasound done by the fellows and faculty, the training and our just overviewing actually protocol, seeing some of the normal and abnormal finding. And I myself actually had to uh, do some scanning with them. And after three scans, they were able to just do it independently and uh, save these all images. Mm-hmm. So the CT scans also was seen, was done actually reported by the uh, radiology attending. And later for stratifying and for classifying it between, based on the um, uh, different, uh, based on the different uh, protocol that we have that mainly based on the um, uh, Hinchy, uh, modified Hinchy protocol, so we had one independent radiologist to go through each scan and actually um, classify them based on that four or five category of the complication that they, any scan can put out, including the negative one and positive one. And the controversy between this that radiology and first reading was evaluated among them and actually was sorted out between radiologists. So what were the criteria that they were using when they were differentiating between simple and complicated diverticulitis? So in our study, we used this specific criteria to differentiate between these two, actually. We actually, for simple diverticulitis, 
we looked for, as I said, for the ticks, the, including that the segmental sigmoid or colon wall thickness greater than four millimeters. This is stand for the T. Mm -hmm. The thickness typically is asymmetric. It means the side that this diverticulum exists, that part of the sigmoid is get much thicker than the other side. When you look at cross-section of the sigmoid, typically you see one part is significantly larger than the other part. And that's the thickness that they call that this a focal thickness. And it's not throughout the whole sigmoid, but that's the differentiation from the colitis. So that we have a focal and segmental asymmetric thickness of the sigmoid uh, wall. That's number one. Two, we actually need to see the diverticulum. A lot of time, diverticulum, when it's inflamed, is hard to differentiate in that area. But when it's inflamed, typically, you see some echogenic uh, foci, just like this, some kind of just like air into that actual diverticulum that is showing that is part of the infl inflamed diverticulum. That's the second one that is, if you look into the wall, you see like a pocket of air inside the wall. That's called that the intramural echogenic airways. Mm -hmm. And all, all this thing, one of the most important is that the kind of towards advanced spectrum of the disease you can see is the stranding around colon, around that area. You see a lot of white material, echogenic material, right next to that actual location that you identify that vertical though, and you're identifying actually um, the thickness of the um, sigmoid. Mm -hmm. And the majority of these cases to differentiate between these kids chronic or acute, if you push with this actual probe, that's a chronic Murphy sign basically, tenderness by compression of the probe, you can create that pain and actually just more up towards the acute one. This is not one of the criteria, but this is helping to do in these cases. I see. For the complicated that you mentioned, so we look for um, actually uh, is a pocket of the fluid right next adjacent to the place that we talked about. So if that one does it greater than one or two centimeters, we call that actually like drainable abscess or a collection of the fluid. Mm -hmm. This anagrid fluid collection is actually part of the, the complication. The second part is the a large amount of the air right next to the that area. If you recall from anatomy, the sigmoid part, part of the sigmoid is not actually intraperitoneal. So not necessarily every perforation of the diverticulitis can end up having fluid air in the abdomen. Mm. So that, but you see a large amount of the air, echogenicity of the air right adjacent to that. As you can see right now, I can't really just even define it exactly what complication what I'm saying. And this is one of the <laughs> main reasons for shortcoming of the ultrasound in differentiating complicated and the uh, simple diverticulitis. Oh, I think we're going to get into that. So, um, so the choices of the ultrasonographers were... No diverticulitis, simple diverticulitis, complicated diverticulitis, or inconclusive, and you excluded the inconclusives, and they submitted their answers before the CT results were obtained. You had 167 patients who were screened for enrollment, 149, as you said, in the final analysis. So let us now talk about how the TICS protocol performed 
when diagnosing diverticulitis overall? Absolutely. This, uh, moving on uh, to our findings, we found about the in text protocol, we have, we identify, we have actually like about 60% positive rate. So it's a lot of sicker people in this uh, cohort of the patient were involved. Of the cases with positive result, 80% were simple and 20%, about 20%, 19.3%, they were complicated diverticulitis. We did identify some accuracy issue with the protocol in here, including we have 17 cases that were falsely positive for diverticulitis. Actually, upon further investigation, we found that the spinal diagnosis for the 17 are colitis, nephrolytosis, pelvic congestion syndrome, small bowel obstruction, and hernia. Those are the findings that actually the CT later on, we missed that one. Okay, we those up one that we called um, the, the misclassification. We also identified, this is the, one of the main reasons that you can see in our specificity is dropping down. We also discovered that four cases have been missed with the text protocol among all these cases. Mm -hmm. If that is all simple, diverticulitis may be acceptable, but two of these missed cases actually end up having complicated diverticulitis. And one was admitted and did not go through any procedure what was just admitted to the hospital. Overall, the text protocol for this specific case in court, we have a sensitivity of 95%, a specificity of 77%. It end up having just a positive predict value of 81% and negative predict value of rate 93%. That's pretty good. Do you have any other results that you want to highlight? The result that I want to just highlight this one is the these complicated ones. So this is very, it's just like a, one of the main roadblocks for integration because majority of these cases that we are scanning, basically we are worried about the, the complications. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of this clinical diet finding for diabetes is the easy one, but the finding the complication is hard. In this specific smaller sample, see this is a, still a small sample size for that diabetes colitis, complicated diabetes colitis, we only have 17 overall. So among those 17, we found those two missed. So that's a big deal. So that's making it a little bit difficult to do that. So important to know, this is great for ruling out patients with diverse colitis. Patient is coming. This is low um, pretest probability. You scan that's negative. And we have no white can. What is What do you think is going to be the, um, actually the accuracy for that? I tell you sensitivity, 100%. And that's the secondary analysis, the study we did. And he said, that is great if we just identify, as you saw in this study, we only have 55% they are positive. So if we even identify cases that do not have the diverticulitis, we are saving a lot. Among those positive ones, it's just 80% are simple. So simple, the specificity that we have is pretty high. So we are having a really great, great tool in our hand to identify and sort out what we need to do. Because bottom line, for majority of these cases, they are not sick. You want to start antibiotic or any other protocol based on your hospital app and follow them as outpatient or maybe just like observation at the end. Wow. Well, that sounds really, really promising. What do you feel like needs to come next in this space? Well, that's a very good question. Thanks for asking. What is coming next for this one? Um, first, I want to just make sure the reader also knows about this all. Says that we make sure that this 
this complication that is low, I reported because this is more of a statistical mm -hmm. kind of uh, limitation. This is not really clinical. So that is important for just now what we need. We need to have very large sample size of cases with the uh, complicated diverse clients. And that is the reason the next study is coming out that we actually are gathered a lot of studies, uh, the prospective studies that we've done by clinician, and they're still waiting for one or two more studies to have a, more than a 1,000 patients enrollment and this uh, large amount of cases with that complicated diverticulitis and identify what was missing and how we could really regression analysis identify how we can predict these cases with complication and those with the need for surgery by just doing the ultrasound. And that's one study that is happening. The second study that secondary to this we did actually as is coming up is we are submitting right now is um, we did a stepwise regression model for these cases that actually while the to try to identify mm -hmm. what is the what is the um, what is missing that we can actually reach to the hundred percent accuracy. So we identified, for example, if we just add the white blood cell, if we just add the history of diverticulosis and diverticulitis, we can certainly, with hundred percent accuracy, identify group of patient that we can actually discharge from room about, upon seeing and finishing the examination. And that is coming to just save at least like 40% of the CT scan we do for uh, for uh, patients with diverticulitis. And that's wow. a big deal and is important as well. That is a big deal and that is important. So thank you so much. Thank you for coming on the podcast to talk about this paper. And uh, thank you again for your work. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure discussing this. And I want your audience to know they can reach out to me with any question about this study or any idea they have that we can make this uh, uh, an improved and actually like the protocol for integration in our data practice. Fantastic. Thank you again. Thanks for listening to this month's AEM Early Access. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes at AEM Early Access, all one word. Don't forget to read the full text of this article, available open access from the Academic Emergency Medicine Journal for a limited time. Today's music is by Scott Holmes. I'm Gita Pensa, and we'll see you next time.